Grant. I'm Elena. And welcome to History Honeys. The podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past. And thank you all for coming out and joining us over Gextra Life this these past few days. Yeah. I say recording this before we actually do the event, <laughs> but knowing this episode will be posted after it. So yeah. I have faith. I have trust. Yeah. Uh, but as a reminder, uh, all 24 hours will be going up uh, a bit at a time to YouTube, so you can see it there if you missed it. And most importantly, the donation page at Gextra.life is still going to be live until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... We have history to talk about. We do. And I have no idea what that history is. No? It, it's your turn. you got to tell me. Oh. Okay. So we're going to talk about a few things today. <laughs> Don't we always? The, the thing that led me to this episode, the creation of this episode, mm-hmm. is the Wingfoot Air Express disaster. All right. There's one word that I think you really keyed into. Disaster? <laughs> well, it wasn't Wingfoot. Uh uh, and we're we're gonna get eventually to what that was. Okay. Later. That's good. What do you think that it is? What kind of disaster we think we're talking about? Wingfoot Air Express disaster. Uh, okay, so some sort of aircraft crashed. Yes. Because what else would be called an air express? It was an airship. An airship. An airship. Okay. What exactly is an airship? Okay. So. We've got several terms we're going to go over here. Okay. And I'm going to say what they all are first. Okay. What, what is an airship? Any powered steer, steerable aircraft that is inflated with a gas that is lighter than air. So if you put a motor on a balloon, you have an airship. And, and like a rudder. And a rudder. And okay. And like a way to steer it, yeah. Right. Yeah, a little tiny person that can drive it around. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, got like airships, uh, you know, a zeppelin. Mm-hmm. That's a term that's often associated blimps. That, um, that's a big one. And dirigibles. Okay, what's the difference between an airship and a dirigible? That's nothing. Nothing at all. They are synonyms. Okay, why do we have the really awkward word dirigible? Is it just for the spelling bee? Is that the <laughs> only reason we have that? Well, dirigible is often associated with rigged airships, but it actually has nothing to do with that. I believe the origin of the word that it comes from which was like french or something i think it means uh, to to be steered or something like that okay um if i remember correctly i i think it's just one started one place and then another one started somewhere else and they they fought for which term they wanted to use like like a regional sort of uh, thing yeah okay translation thing too because you know, it's happening across the world okay so an airship and a dirigible are essentially the same same thing what's a blimp then a blimp is an airship uh-huh. that is powered, steerable, lighter than air vehicle, but its shape is maintained by the pressure of gas within. It has no frame. No frame. Frameless. So blimp is any of the ones that have no frame. Uh, you have ones that have frames, though, and that is those are not blimps. Obviously. Blimps are often what people think of automatically for, like, uh, Goodyear blimps. Yeah, advertising. that's the one blimp anyone knows. Though it's not the case anymore, and we'll talk about that later, oh, actually. Does it have a frame these days? Yes! They, how dare Only they? Only recent, like in the past four years. <laughs> so, like, Goodyear started advertising on blimps in 1925, mm-hmm. and it was until, like, four years ago they used blimps. 
So from now on, if you want to be completely insufferable, though correct, mm-hmm. it is the uh, the Goodyear dirigible. <laughs> rigid. Mm-hmm. A rigid one, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about that one later, though. Um, but blimps, so people know blimps for that. They were also used um, by, like, the U.S. Navy for, like, 30 years. Uh-huh. Like, the 20s to 50s um, for, like, anti-submarine and reconnaissance stuff. Mm-hmm. So, the Hindenburg. The other blimp that anyone knows. It's not a blimp. What? not a blimp. It's a rigid airship. It has a frame. It has a frame, Helen. It, it has, has a frame. frame. <laughs> no, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, like, you see it in the pictures. Yeah, but in, in the footage of, of it burning, there's a, a trust frame yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh, man. You just yeah. blew my mind. So, you know, those they have the framework. They don't rely on the gas to keep it shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also um, ones that are semi-rigid, mm-hmm. uh, and those have, like, partial framing, can be in different spots. A lot of times it's in spots where it helps support and distribute weight from, mm-hmm. load, like, you know, loads it might be carrying, but it depends on what it's used for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, blimps, completely different type of thing. You got blimps, rigid airships, and mm-hmm. semi-rigid airships. Semi-rigid, okay. Which are all airships. Which is the same as a dirigible. Yeah. Okay, what's a Zeppelin? A Zeppelin is a company. Okay, so it's a brand name. Yeah. It's like it's, the, the Kleenex of airships. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so not all airships are Zeppelins. Not all face tissues are Kleenex. Okay. Not all copy machines are Xerox. Very few of them these days. I think they lost a lot of market I, share. I think they did. But that's, beyond, yeah. that's beside the point. Luftgeschbau... Zeppelin of Germany. Mm-hmm. What about him? Uh, that's the name of the company. Oh, But that's okay. why people just say Zeppelin, because it took us way too long to figure out how to try to say that. And I bet we still did I'm sure I butchered it. Um, but sometimes it's also known as the Zeppelin Airship Construction Company. I know, I know how to say those words. Yeah. Got it. Zeppelin, the company, mm-hmm. was founded by Count Ferdinand Adolf August Henrik Graf von Zeppelin. <laughs> We're just going to call him Zeppelin from now on. Sure, Maybe sure. Count Zeppelin. Uh, and if the company ever met hard times, he could sell one of his names yeah. in order to make rent. Exactly. Uh, so he is considered the father of rigid airships. That's a heck of a labor. Oh, yeah. boy. He was born in 1838 on an island in Lake Constance on the Rhine... At the northern foot of the Alps. Okay. I had to Google that. I didn't know where that was. Sure, sure. So he he had his Ricola. Um, (laughs) He definitely wore his his later hosen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So he attended a military academy and became an officer at the age of 20. In uh, 1863, he traveled to the U.S. as a military observer during the Civil War, the American Civil War. Mm Mm-hmm. He got a pass signed by President Lincoln that allowed him to travel with the Northern Armies. Uh, and after a few months, though, he, like, wasn't hanging out with the war anymore. And Would he was, you want to? Well, what kind of weirdo is this guy? Uh, but he was out in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, which is where he saw his first balloon. <laughs> uh, and the camera just zooms into his eyes as his pupil dilates. Yes. <sighs> Uh, so his first experience with lighter than 
air flight was the ascent of a 41,000 cubic foot balloon that was inflated with coal gas. Very healthy. Really uh, bracing. And the, this uh, is a balloon that had previously been used as an observation balloon by the Union Army. Mm-hmm. Oh, which yeah. Which was yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. People often, I feel like, forget that that was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. So it was operated by John Steiner, a German-born balloonist who had served in the Union Army. Uh, the balloon was tethered, uh, and it reached 600 to 700 feet. Sure. Uh, Zeppelin got to go up from it, and it was the first time he saw the world from the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll never go back. <laughs> So by 1874, his journal started describing concepts for um, framed airships. Nice and rigid. Yes. Just the way he likes them. Yes. Okay. In 1887, he sent a memo to the King of Wartenberg uh, to formally propose the use of airships for military purposes. I gotta figure it didn't work out very well, because there's no King of Wartenberg anymore. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so he didn't really get to focus on these ideas until he retired, uh, in 1890. It was kind of a forced retirement. He was 52 years old. And then he really started developing the ideas. Within 10 years, uh, he would build his first airship, Luftschiff Zeppelin One. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now he viewed his invention primarily for military use. Mm-hmm. And his early efforts were really dedicated to, like, winning the support of the military. They weren't really enthusiastic about it. <laughs> well, a balloon is like a child's toy. They're like, oh, maybe that'd be better for, like, commercializing somehow, which he was not into at all. Well, because they hadn't invented tires yet. Yeah. There was no such thing as a tire back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think commercializing more for, like, you know, people use. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, maybe, I don't know, I guess that'd be a fun attraction for people. Yeah. Uh, so Zeppelin withdrew from active involvement with airships after an event in September 1913. Um, he had finally started to get the military to use these things, um, but then a naval Zeppelin crashed off a coast and it killed 14 people. Mm-hmm. And it was the first deaths in, like, Zeppelin history. Now, I'm not going to say that this is an unsafe mode of travel. Mm-hmm. I am going to say the only airships I've ever heard of are the ones that have crashed and killed people. Yeah. That's that's all I'm saying. Early technology. Sure, also, sure. you know, use of very flammable materials for a long time. Yeah. Um, after that, he had very little involvement with airships and their development. Um, during World War I, he was focusing on heavier than aircraft. And industrial mm-hmm. interests, like the combustion engine and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he died in 1917 at 78. Uh, now, Zeppelins are often associated with uh, being German airships that conducted bombing raids during World War One. Most were built by the Zeppelin company, mm-hmm. but not, again, not all German World War One airships were Zeppelins. There were other companies, too. But didn't it just burn him to see all these non-Zeppelin airships? I don't know. Was he a jealous man? Was he a patent troll, dear? I, I can't answer that. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, now, we already talked about this. Uh, with the Hindenburg not being a blimp. Or a Zeppelin. It was a Zeppelin. It was a... Well... Because Zeppelin is a company, and the Hindenburg okay. was a Zeppelin-made airship. Okay. Yes. It was actually the 129th airship designed by the Zeppelin company. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, now, the Hindenburg disaster is what most people think about when they think of, like, Zeppelins or blimps or airships or anything. They're like, oh, yeah, that big one. Mm-hmm. Where oh, oh, the humanity. Yes. So, if you're not familiar, that was a disaster that occurred on May 6, 1937 in New Jersey. Uh, the Zeppelin caught fire while trying to make a docking attempt. Um, and it was completely destroyed mm-hmm. within minutes. Um, yeah. Because it was filled with uh, hydrogen. Very flammable yeah. gas. One of uh, the most flammable gases. 30, or 35 of the 97 people died. Um, and it's extremely well known because there was footage and audio recordings of the events. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been seen and everywhere heard. and yeah. heard everywhere. Um, and it really shattered the public opinion of airships and really ended that era of possible airship travel. Mm-hmm. Just put an end to it. <laughs> Except in my diesel punk uh, fantasy uh, saga. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They love those airships. Yeah. Zeppelins still fly today. That seems like a bad idea, (laughs) actually, now that you mention it. So, as I mentioned, the Goodyear blimp is no longer a blimp. It is now a Zeppelin. (laughs) Did Zeppelin ever make any blimps, or were they just frames all the way? Um, I think they were all framed Okay. So, as I said, Goodyear started using blimps in 1925 for advertising. They actually, so their first blimp mm-hmm. that Goodyear used uh, had hydrogen in it. Well, that was the, the state of the art. Well, in a month, they switched to helium. <laughs> uh, a was, non-flammable gas. Who would have thunk it? And it was actually the first blimp to fly with it. Oh, uh, their first ship was also the first blimp to have its, like, control car mm-hmm. be, like, flush against the blimp. Mm-hmm. Um, normally they would, like, dangle farther away um, with space between, so that way, like, the engine was not close to the very explosive hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> so they were aware. Like they- Oh, they were so aware! <laughs> And uh, since 2014, uh, the Goodyear Blimp is now a Goodyear Zeppelin NT model. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was pretty exciting for, I guess, a lot of, like, airship fans. There are airship fans, you say? Probably. I found a lot of blogs. <laughs> uh, Goodyear and Zeppelin actually used to have a joint partnership. Mm. Uh, the Goodyear Zeppelin Corporation was founded in 1923. The Goodyear president was a supporter of the rigid airship. Mm -hmm. Zeppelin staff uh, moved to Akron, Ohio to help build airships using Zeppelin company patents. Uh Uh-huh. And they constructed some airships for the U.S. Navy in the early 1930s, but then their partnership dissolved after the outbreak of World War II. Now, why, why why was that? Why, what did the war have to do with anything? Nazis. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Germans. They were on the other side of that one. Yeah. Okay. Ze- Zeppelin's a German company. Sure, and, sure, sure. things, you know. I thought they were fighting for the kin of Wintergreen or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, two of the, the military airships that were made for the U.S. were the Akron and, and Macon. Uh, they were two long-range scouting airships that were built, uh, during this partnership, and they each carried F-9C-2s, Curtis Sparrowhawk biplanes, which could be, like, launched from the airship and landed back on it. That is awesome! Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, the the reason for this episode, mm-hmm. going back to the Wingfoot Air Express disaster, mm-hmm. uh, this was something that I had never heard about until its anniversary, like a month ago, <laughs> when I saw something online about it, and I was like, what? So, a happy belated birthday Wingfoot Air Express disaster. It has been 99 years since this happened. And a month. And a month. Uh, so, this disaster is when an airship crashed into the Illinois Trust and Savings Building in Chicago on July 21st, 1919. <laughs> oh, that's actually very bad. Yeah. Uh, so, which I was, I never heard of this. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. And suddenly I was like, how, how does no one ever talk about this? A freaking airship crashed into a building in the loop. <laughs> the The airship was on its uh, third flight. Oh. Uh, transporting people from Grant Park to White City Amusement Park, which was on the south side of Chicago. This was an amusement park that was open from 1905 to the 1940s. The amusement park was in like the greater Grand Crossing woodlawn areas. At the time that it opened, it claimed to be the largest park of its kind in the U.S., and apparently it really contribute to, contributed to Chicago's status as a, the city with the most amusement parks in the U.S. until 1908. I don't know if that's a great title to have, yeah. because it seems like they'd really be stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. There's only so much, especially before uh, interstate travel. Yeah. Really took off. Think about it, though. If this one's really big, there's probably there used to be tons of small amusement parks, though. That's true. Tons That's and tons true. of small amusement parks existed. Mm-hmm. It was because people didn't really travel. Right. They went to, like, there was the, the next neighborhood. the south neighbor- side one, the west side one, the north side one, the further north side one. All the little neighborhood ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the tiny places. Um, so you only had to go, like, a neighborhood over to be an amusement park. That's what it got to be for a while. You've convinced me. Fine. Okay. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? Uh, so a little bit about this amusement park. It was 14 acres with gardens and paths. Uh, buildings were lined with white lights. Uh, there was a ballroom with a dance floor that could, ha- um, could have a thousand people on it at a time. Uh, there was a tower that they lit up with lights that could be seen for 15 miles, apparently. Yeah, maybe over the lake. <laughs> There's going to be buildings. Come on. Not not that many in like 19... It was a long time after the fire. They, had, they built a lot of buildings. They had invented the, the skyscraper by now. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a restaurant that could seat uh, 2,500 diners at a time. Ooh. 
Uh, in its prime, it said that it rivaled Coney Island as a model for amusement park architects and planners and designers. Park was really popular. Um, the L train that like serviced it had 11,000 fares over the normal amount. Mm-hmm. Like, good job. Yeah, it was very popular. Um, some of the features in 1906 that it had was Big Otto's Trained Wild Animal Show. Big Otto? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I want to meet Big Otto and have him change my car's oil. (laughs) Hale's Tour of the World. Now this was an attraction that simulated like railway travel. Uh Uh-huh. Its first appearance was at the 1904 St. Louis Exposition. Oh, you mean the Louisiana Purchase Exposition? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Exposition fair, but... Uh, now it imitated people being on a passenger car. Uh, had like panoramas that would like go through the windows. Mm-hmm. And, uh. <laughs> the star tours of its day. Yeah, and like the staff <laughs> would like rock it. And there'd be like fans going and sometimes sound machines. It was definitely the star tours of the time. They had an attraction called Trip to Mars. Mm hmm. Sure. Uh, they showcased electric cooking at one point and infant incubators. Yay! Of course. Baby zoos. Baby zoos. Now, it's actually a little hard to come up with uh, some of the information about the specific airship we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, because the park would have an airship after this that they would use for people to, like, ride on. Like, it was its own attraction. Yeah. Just go on the airship, sort of a circle thing. Yeah, and there's, like, a lot of confusion with, like, this the name of this thing getting attached to it, even though it had its own names. Mm-hmm. So, in some of the stuff you look up, it gets a little confusing about, like, what, what was going on, and what was what, and what actually crashed. But the one that crashed was, yeah, the, the transportation airship. Well, so one of their ideas was to use it for transportation. The passengers on this, on its third flight, were not people like, not like park guests. Okay. They were still testing it. So it was like, there were like a handful of people on it, and it was like the people running the ship, and then like a publicist for the park type thing. Never gonna file that report, are you? Yeah. Oh, Now, the Wingfoot Air Express was built and stationed at the White City Amusement Park Airship Shed. Uh-huh. It had the shed. Goodyear was using the shed to build a couple other airships for the U.S. Navy mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, the Navy had wanted, like, 16 ships, and Goodyear was building, like, nine of them. So they were pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get them government contracts. What's up? The airship that day on these these test, test flights, it left White City, went to Grant Park. Then it did a second flight where it just, like, lifted off from Grant Park and flew around a bit landed again and then at 4 p around 4 p.m it took off again so these three trips were they all on the same day same day the, it left white city at like 9 a.m okay flew down to like eight miles or whatever it took so so while the uh wingfoot air express may have made it to a third journey it still only lived for one day yes goodness yeah so it was flying over the Chicago Loop when it caught fire at 4.55 p.m., uh-huh. uh, 1,200 feet above the city. Now, it is unknown 
how or why it caught fire. I imagine all of the witnesses died. Everybody who was around when it caught fire. No. No? No. They did Oh, goodness. Um, some did. Not all. <laughs> Statements of those who lived were like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Uh, there were statements from people on the ground that thought that they saw it on fire for a while before anything happened. There were statements that no, it just suddenly exploded. Some theories are that there was a spark that happened either at that exact moment that then made some, something else catch and then so on and so forth. Some people also think that it could have actually been a small fire that had been going for a little while since they took off. Mm -hmm. That suddenly got to the point where it ignited other things. It's unknown. The, um, America's first no-smoking zone uh, here in the middle of a Zeppelin. You know what my favorite thing was that I came across? What's that? Was uh, this picture of these uh, antique matchbooks that had Zeppelins and stuff on them. <laughs> oh, yes. No. Let me hand out a souvenir matchbook after you ride this highly exploding flammable machine. No, don't do it. Don't do that. And you know people were probably smoking on them. <laughs> uh, so once it became clear that the airship was on fire mm -hmm. and, you know, lost, uh, the, f the passengers and crew that were on board jumped. Yeah. They, uh, they, they jumped 1,200 feet, you say. It was Jack Boatner. He was the pilot. And Harry Wacker, chief mechanic, both jumped with parachutes and made it to safety. Oh, right. Parachutes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second mechanic, Henry Weaver, died when his parachute caught fire. Oh. The publicist, or the publicity agent for the White City Amusement Park jumped, but his parachute got tangled in the rigging and he just started like swaying from it for 50 feet below the thing that was burning above him and then died when it crashed. As you would expect. And then another person jumped with a parachute, but broke both their legs, and then later died at the hospital. Oh. Yeah. So two people made it <laughs> from from the thing. Okay. Half? It sounds like half, half maybe? Half, half, yeah. So in the Illinois Trust Savings Bank, which was at LaSalle and Jackson, mm -hmm. 150 employees were closing up. Uh, and they were in and around the main banking hall, which had a very large skylight. Had. Past tense. Uh, the remains of the airship struck the skylight and fell through the banking hall. Mm -hmm. Ten people were killed and 27 injured, which is a lot less than you think it would be. <laughs> um, but the skylight area was actually over, like, the cage just... The caged areas of the bank, mm -hmm. you know, which were caged for, like, security reasons. And there were only, like, two exits. So it didn't help. It did not help matters. No. To get people out of there. Well, I don't know if we want to read that quote. Read it's really sad. Quote. Okay. Read it. Trapped and burned to death in a withering rain of fire caused by the explosion of the balloon's gasoline tank as it hit the floor. Gasoline. Gasoline tank as it hit the floor. That... That's is, not so bad. That's what uh, was quoted in the paper by someone who's watching. Rescue efforts were impossible until after the fire department arrived due to the intense heat. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and many of those who were injured had serious cuts from the glass just falling. From the skylight? From the skylight, yeah. That's what people don't realize about any time Batman dramatically crashes in. So many people He's have cuts. killed so many nameless henchmen. Yeah. Batman, that's not nice. It's not nice, Batman. Now, after the fire was out, dozens of employees actually returned to work mm-hmm. to salvage bank records. Hundreds of books and files were pulled and piled where they were guarded by police. There was actually no attempt to, like, loot the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's said that, like, $50,000 worth of bonds were burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crash led to new rules for aviation over the city. You don't say! Within six hours after it happened, the city council took action to regulate flying over the city. Uh, they wanted to regulate the operation of all air machines and originally wanted to ban them, mm-hmm. but instead uh, went with restrictions that would come in the future. Well, yeah, they didn't want to interrupt the air and water show. Yeah. <laughs> When we first moved out here, yeah, planes like aside from the air and water show, planes never flew over the city because that was post nine eleven. Mm-hmm. That was when there was still the huge flying ban around large buildings, mm-hmm. and it was only within probably the past six years, I feel like maybe that they opened up the air <laughs> um, for planes to actually like fly over the city mm-hmm. and i remember the first time i saw it it was like really bizarre because you realized wait i've never seen a plane go this direction <laughs> well that's because midway doesn't get that many flights compared to o'hare that's all it is no, that's most of the air travel i think we do get is people going to midway <laughs> so the accident was its first the first of its kind over a big city mm-hmm. so crashes with zeppelins and airships and blimps and all that happened Many times before. But they were always over, you know, war zones or mm-hmm. fields or, or Just in the, the water. Of nowhere. Yeah, they weren't overpopulated areas. Even the Hindenburg didn't land on anybody. No. Just killed a whole lot of people on the yeah. inside. This this was a very different thing they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. Where, like, we for those that don't, don't know, like, Grant Park sits right next to the major downtown area yeah so you're basically launching these things from town hall Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's how close these are probably not the best idea you can imagine grant park like the pictures of say central park in new york yeah where you've got all these huge buildings street open park yeah except one of the sides is uh, a lake yeah not not a big old rectangle yes In addition to regulations, it did lead to closing of the Grant Park airstrip (laughs) uh, and the creation of the Chicago Air Park Midway. So in the early days, Chicago Air Park was what it was known as. All right. Now, the state attorney arrested 17 Goodyear employees, including the pilot, but nobody was charged, no one was tried, and no cause was ever determined. So the state attorney just needed to look good? Yeah. Look like he was doing something? And by day two of coverage, um, we were down to three paragraphs on the front page. And after that, it was pretty much gone because this is around the time that the race riots were happening in D.C. 
Mm-hmm. And shortly before there, before there would be major race riots in Chicago as well. Yeah. So it disappeared pretty quick. Probably why no one's heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> the bank actually put advertisement in the Chicago Tribune uh, that read, and this is like condensed down, but basically said like a balloon fell through the skylight, it injured and killed some employees. Uh, the tellers' cages and other facilities were not affected. The physical damage we will repair, and we will be open to transact your business tomorrow. <laughs> Now that's just got to be a banner day for their ad department. Yeah. All right, boys, let's find some spin. Yeah. As they light a cigarette with a Zeppelin printed on the the matchbook. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that story. There's not a lot to it, but it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Thing caught fire. No one knows why. People burned to death. Bank was open the next day. Giant blimp. Fell through this building right here on this street corner where I stand, and I've heard nothing about this ever. <laughs> yeah, what? Why was, isn't there a plaque? What was the address? Like where exactly? It was LaSalle and Jackson. LaSalle and Jackson. So yeah, every day we go by. I go by What's... there, and this is still like the the financial district of the city. Uh-huh. It's where the National Bank is. The Board of Trade is right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That money museum. The money museum. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Never been there. I think I've seen enough money in my day. Yeah. So the White City Amusement Park continued to operate and then deteriorate. Uh, it was condemned in 1939 and its facilities were auctioned off in 1946. Now, airship ideas dated back actually to like the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of concepts for these things and, and ideas that were thrown around for a long time. There's also a lot of futuristic ideas. Um, lots of, of course, like airship cruise line ideas of the future. Mm-hmm. That was very big uh, in the 20s. Uh, my favorite, however, is that there was an idea in an issue of a 1930s popular science monthly, which proposed placing a, sanator- a sanatorium on an airship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will crash and kill them all, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. No. Okay. So, uh, as we mentioned before in our tuberculosis and fashion episode, <laughs> I'm sure we talked about how before antibiotics, uh, the only treatment for TB was sunlight, clean air, and food. Mm-hmm. Like, just give you a healthy environment, and hopefully you'll be okay. <laughs> The idea for this sanatorium was that the body of the airship would follow the design of airships being built for the Navy. It would be able to stay aloft for weeks at a time. Uh, It could have a plane carried inside of it that could go to the ground for supplies when needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And the clinic would be at the top of the ship. So they would have access to sunlight through um, studded windows with like panes made of stuff that would allow sun rays to like reach patients we will put our sick people in a flying greenhouse yeah yeah all right um you know this this never happened no Uh, especially because like shortly after in the 40s is when the development of new drugs that helped with tb happened but scientifically it is true that uh, TB is affected by UV light uh-huh. uh, it helps stimulate production of vitamin D which does help them fight TB and feel better so they like weren't completely off mm-hmm. but I uh, 
I don't know if that was like as easy as just like, let's go up a nice mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a little easier. And you can also grow coffee in your big flying Flying greenhouse. greenhouse. That's what you could do. You could put your TB patients to work, Mm -hmm. working the greenhouse that they are trapped on for life because it's in air. A lot of rare ferns. Yeah. Yeah. It would be an interesting design for like a prison or something. There's nobody breaking out. Oh, there's nowhere to go. But if somebody does break out and they steal the like supply plane, then everybody's stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically it can land. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That's my episode. Mhm. What'd you learn? All right, so which one's the dirigible? All of them. All of them. Okay. Uh, that's what I learned. That's that's okay. what I learned. <laughs> cool. I learned that sometimes when I take a walk on my lunch break, I go by where 27 people burn to death covered in shards of glass. Oh, that's like all over Chicago. But this specific instance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean... I, I learned something about myself, and uh, what I want to look up after we're done here is more of the uh, attraction history of the, the White City amusement park. Oh, yeah, that was like a slippery <laughs> slope. I was trying not to go down too much, mm-hmm. is this amusement park. Because that was the golden age of wooden roller coasters. Yeah. Before they figured out how to test for things, so you'd be pulling eight Gs and putting people in the hospital. Yeah. There were some people who died on some of their early roller coasters. Nice. Yeah. And also some, like, plaster workers that died, too. That's no good. Yeah. They didn't ask for this. No. But thank you, dear. Yeah. That was that was a fun time. Man, I could do a whole series on airships. Found that out. Yeah. Airship fans are real. And they're fans of the deadliest way to fly. Yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah. At least rail fans, the trains are pretty fine. Usually. Like, that's why everybody stares at train wrecks. They're so rare. Yeah. Yeah, they never happen. Airship, most of them were like, oh, yep, this crashed. People died. This one burned. Yeah, I think the only ones where they're like, oh, we retired these are, like, Goodyear ones. (laughs) Because they were just advertising. (laughs) Though, Goodyear was not the only company to, like, advertise on blips. There's a MetLife airship. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it used to be, like, really popular. It was, like, how you see, like, planes, like, dragging the, like, signs around now. Right, right. There'd be a lot of blimps up there that were, like, painted. (laughs) Can you imagine that? It'd be so weird. It worked in Fringe. It did. That's how you know you're over there. Yeah. There's airships. If you ever wake up and you see a lot of airships, you know you are in another dimension. Mm-hmm. That, there's your wisdom from this episode. Yeah. And with that, we'll be back with some letters. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. We have some letters and some business, and not as many letters as usual. No. Because, as we mentioned, we are recording this one way early. Yeah. So they Sorry, ha- you latecomers. They haven't all had time to come in, but we'll get to them, I promise. 
Uh, so first up, we have Mike, who is a longtime fan and fellow Chicagoan. Hello. Chicagoan. There we go. Yeah, you, you can just, like, skip to ten seconds where we describe what Grant Park is. You've you got know. it. You know. You're good. You got it. Mike is catching up on the backlog of episodes and recently listened to the Girl Scouts of the USA episode and uh, talking about the camp closures hit close to home for Mike who moved around a lot and uh, camps they attended were often their only fixed like address. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately both of the camps that Mike attended closed in 2015, which is very sad. A lot of, a lot of camps, not just like, scouting programs but camps even for other programs and organizations are they're having to get rid of their properties private and commercial development yeah yeah uh but thank you mike for writing in thanks mike final gamer writes in again uh for some ghost writer fan solidarity yeah and they wanted to bring up something uh, uh about arthur that really touched them uh, growing up. The show's treatment of autism in an episode that touched on the topic and presented it not as this uh, stereotypical fixed state of antisocial issues, but as something that can be adaptable with the right motivation and educational uh, uh, effort to teach things like reading body language and expanding your points of interest and and dealing with uh, uh, an overload of sensory inputs, basically the same way that children grow and develop no matter where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So thank you for pointing out that episode as one of the many things that Arthur gets right. Yeah. Yeah. Arthur dealt with a lot of uh, people of different backgrounds and mm-hmm. places they're coming from, whether it's uh, things like autism or I remember there was an episode where, was it Fran- Francine's? Yeah, Francine was like... She was the rich snooty one. No, that was Muffy. Oh, okay. Francine was the one that lived in an apartment with her family and there was an episode actually where she was like really ashamed of her dad being a garbage man. Oh. And it was like having to deal with like social like economic status of her family with mm-hmm. other kids and stuff and just like just you know they, they cover quite a spectrum of issues mm-hmm. and things that kids deal with and have to process and understand about themselves and each other which is pretty cool. I just think he doesn't look anything like an aardvark. Well no. <laughs> he doesn't. He's Arthur the weird mouse. He does look more like a mouse. <laughs> Thanks, Final Gamer. Bird wrote in uh, and sent some dog pictures. Yay, uh, puppies. Which are very cute. They're actually uh, their friends, their best friend's dogs, because mm-hmm. uh, their cat is shy. <laughs> um, and yes, you should totally send us pictures of your three geckos. Love them. I want to see some geckos. Uh, Especially with this coming week. Yeah. Especially with the week we just had. I yeah. Upload date. I forget. <laughs> Uh, Bird is answering our recent prompt, but hasn't had a lot of experience with air travel, so they are saying Epcot's Soren. <laughs> That's a good answer. Which is a great answer. It's an awesome ride, and it feels like you're soaring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Bird, we will see you at Gexter Life 2019. We will have we seen will you. We will have. It happened. I'm glad we said hello. <laughs> Way back then in a few days from now. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, boy. (laughs) Thanks, Bird. 
Andrew has a very personal Bill Nye the Science Guy story to share. Uh, Bill was dating a friend of their mother's for a short time, and they, they all went to a Mariners game together when Andrew was a, a young 12-year-old whippersnapper and was just awed at meeting the science guy himself and being pretty much ignored because he was trying to flirt with a lady. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and as for the prompt of favorite mode of air travel, uh, Andrew's favorite is rocket ships, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. 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 As yeah. long as they aren't carrying missiles. But they usually aren't these days. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Alex, Faye, and Freddy, the cat, wrote in. <laughs> while ago, we had our favorite summer thing as a prompt, and uh, we, we are being told of another favorite summer event which uh they just came back from uh a con fest and festival called tokonatsu uh which is a weekend-long celebration of anime manga gaming and japanese culture that's held beginning of august in the uk alex has been going for about 10 years and has been working on the staff uh, this year with a lot of the cosplay events. And one of them sounds really cool. Yeah. Where uh, teams have an hour to make a specified costume with only a massive pile of fabric. Uh, So it's like some sort of competition? Yeah. That's cool. It's really neat. And then also came across a story about a Disney child star, Kurt Russell, at Mm -hmm. a young age. Uh, apparently he had gone for an audition, found himself wandering the building, sticking his head into rooms to see, like, what's going on in here, and came across some dudes playing some music in a recording studio, and they were like, oh, hey, you can, like, listen for a while. Uh, about three months later, he heard the song on the radio, and it was the Beach Boys. (laughs) Also, a favorite TV channel, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, mostly because of memories of early morning anime. (laughs) And... We got some cat pictures. Yeah, we got little Freddy all wrapped up in a towel. Because he became a soggy mess. Oh, what a good cat. Yeah. So thanks to the the three of you, specifically the two humans who know how to write. Uh, don't, don't make Freddy lose credit okay. for Freddy's hard work. We love Freddy. And thank you to everyone who wrote in. If you would like to write us a letter, where do those go? Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And we would love to hear your stories, your questions, your comments, your corrections, as and anything else you might like to hear read on the air, including our regular uh, prompt responses. Yeah, you got a prompt? I want to know everyone's favorite spy. Ooh. I said assassin before uh, a few episodes back. Now it's a spy. I was going to say, didn't we already do that? No, it was a, close, but no. Pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and again, those go to... HistoryHoney'sPodcast at gmail.com. And while you're out there, you can uh, drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or, or Instagram. Those are all at History Honeys. And if you would please, please, please give us a, a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Google Play, or wherever else you found us, it really helps a great deal in uh, getting our show out there. And you can also just use word of mouth. All those words from yeah. all of the mouths. Yeah. Every mouth you have. Yeah. And let people hear it with their ears. All or of their see ears. It with their eyes. Yes. Or uh, communicate it 
in a different way. Yeah. Smoke signals, sign language. You can you can write a letter in Braille if you choose. Yeah, there's many ways. Mm-hmm. You could do an interpretive dance. It might be hard to communicate a URL through uh, interpretive dance. But you know what? If you're up for the challenge, do it. I believe in you. Yeah. But the the big thing I'd like to encourage y'all to do is to check out Gextra Life 2018. Uh, I know it just happened when you're hearing this, but as I said before, you can still check out the the videos as they go up to be archived because we had a great time. I'm sure. Yeah. And still, uh, it's not too late to donate at Gextra.life. Everything we raise goes straight to Hurley Children's Hospital in order to help them in their mission, providing medical care for the sick kids of Flint, Michigan. Yeah. It's a a great thing. Absolutely. And we can use all the moral support as we stay up for 24 hours. So join us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having joined us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't do this! We're having to talk about something that hasn't happened as though it's happened and it's so confusing. I love you, Derek. I love you, too. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Uh, And I'm Grant. I'm Elena. And history's better with with your your honey. honey.